Well, good to see you this morning. And how are you doing today? Good? That's good. Wasn't worship awesome? I feel like I ate a full meal already. Let's just give the worship team an awesome job. Awesome job. And, um, you know, that's a result of what they're doing all week, right? That's not just a performance, but they're in prayer for you and over the worship set. And, and we're so excited to worship together this morning. Um, well, I want to share a message that I felt the Lord put on my heart actually about a couple weeks ago that he began to show me during some of my middle of the night sessions with him. Um, this idea of dreaming with him, this idea of dreaming with God. And I know that we're still in a process as a church where things are changing, things are shifting, there's transition, there's still an element of sadness, an element of grief in many of our lives. But I felt in the midst of that, the Lord saying, I want you to take some time to dream with me. I want you to take some time to envision things for your life personally, things for your life in your relationships, things for your, your home, things for your family, things for this community, things for this church. And so we're gonna take a little time this morning to dream with God. Who's with me? Awesome, awesome. The other half will get you. We'll get you to come along with us. But thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. I'm gonna pray and before we open God's word that he would join me up here. We thank you, Lord, that you are here. We thank you that you're in this place and in this space. And as we open your word, Lord, we lean in for transformation. We lean in for truth, Lord, wisdom and revelation, Lord. That as you build our lives, to become a dwelling place for the Spirit. We, we give you the plans, we give you our lives, we put them in your hands this morning. And we thank you for your presence here, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Everybody said amen, amen. That means so be it, we're together. So our, our main point this morning as we start our message on dreaming with God is that it doesn't cost anything to dream, but it costs everything to rebuild. It doesn't cost anything to dream. It doesn't cost anything to look on Pinterest. It doesn't cost anything to watch HGTV. If you've ever done a renovation in your house that you, men are like, what is Pinterest? <laughs> well, it's this website where our wives get all of these ideas about what they're gonna do in the house. And it's, a, it's, it's great because it envisions what the space in our home will look like. It envisions what the new bathroom will look like. It envisions what the new kitchen will look like. It envisions what the new man cave is gonna look like. Pinterest is a, is a process of, it's a website of envisioning, Lord, what do I wanna do with this particular space? And it doesn't cost anything to dream. 
We dream all the time. We think about our future all the time, but it does cost everything to rebuild. Our theme this year is Ephesians 2.22. In him, you too are being built together into a dwelling place for the Spirit. You two are being built together to become a dwelling place for the Spirit. And as Megan pointed out, God has plans for our life. God has lines to be drawn for our life, boundaries in our life to be formed. And this verse points to the fact that God has a dream for your life. God has a plan for your life. Long before the foundation of the world, God had a plan for your life. And in him, in him we are being built together as a dwelling place for the spirit. I'm gonna take us to Ephesians chapter one, verse 15 to 23 this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn there or on your phones. And I'm gonna read this section. For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. I love this, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Paul is praying, praying for the church in Ephesus. He's saying, I'm remembering you in my prayers. In other words, Paul is saying, I'm envisioning you in my prayers. Like God is dropping you into my mind in my prayers. And he said, I'm praying for you that you would have wisdom and revelation. That you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened. How many of us want the eyes of our hearts enlightened? I want the eyes of my heart enlightened that God would give me his wisdom and his revelation and this is the first step to dreaming with God. Dreaming with God is that we would have the wisdom and revelation and have the eyes of our hearts enlightened. The eyes of our heart literally means the inner self. It's our mind, it's our will, it's our emotions. It's one thing to dream about our life, but it's another thing to dream with God and allow his wisdom to percolate in our thoughts. Allow his revelation to begin to bubble up from the inside. And so I wanna pause here and I just wanna say, Lord, that as we, as we listen to your word this morning, would you enlighten would you open up the eyes of our heart, Lord? this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. And then he goes on to say that you may know what is the hope 
to which he has called you? What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So Paul is saying is, is that the result of our hearts being enlightened is that we would know the hope to which he has called us? That we would know the riches of his glorious inheritance? That we would know the greatness of his power? So dreaming with God is that we would know the hope for our future, the riches of his inheritance, and the power, the power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under the feet of Jesus and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is the body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Again, Paul has insanely long <laughs> sentences but it's important to read the whole thing. Summed up, if you drifted during that reading of scripture, summed up, Paul is saying, is I'm praying for you, Ephesus, that you would dream with God. And that as you dream with God, the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. That as you dream with God, the wisdom of the Lord would descend. As you dream with God, the revelation of God would be in your mind. That you wouldn't just dream but you dream with God. Jesus would be our cornerstone. Amen. Jesus would be the very stone we build our life upon. And so my heart for Northside is that we would be a church that doesn't just dream. Anyone can dream. It costs nothing to dream. My heart for Northside is that we would dream with God. Amen. Is that we would posture ourselves to just rest in him. See, what Paul doesn't mention here is striving. What he doesn't mention here is performance. What he doesn't mention here is working at it in our own strength. He says that you would rest having the eyes of your heart enlightened. Desire is the first step of dreaming. Desire is the first step of dreaming. As I was preparing this, I was thinking of, what do I desire in my life? What do I desire for my future? What do I desire for my family? What do I desire for church? What do I desire in my community? What do I desire in my life? When we envision a space that we are renovating, 
the blueprints drive the building project. Blueprints are dreams in print. Dreams in print. I have a set of blueprints here. This is uh, for Northside Foursquare Church. And what happens is, is we begin to dream. I won't show you the front cover because these are from a few years ago. And at Northside, we've been dreaming for quite a long time about a renovation. Anybody here back in 2009? Pat, thanks for still being here. We've had four sets of plans for the building. We've been dreaming and dreaming about the building. And so blueprints are an envisioned space. Now, imagine looking at these blueprints once and then just sort of letting them gather dust as you begin to build. Over Christmas, I had a great opportunity. Someone um, in in our family bought me a workbench from Costco.ca. And when they delivered this workbench, first of all, it was, I can't even believe that there was a box around it because it weighed a thousand pounds. And so when they dropped it off of my house, we had to somehow get it off the truck into my shop. It weighed so much, I, I thought it was a box full of lead. And as we unwrapped it and I began to put it together, there was this manual a step-by-step manual to build it, right? And so I had the manual, like I'm not stupid, I had the manual open. And I followed it, step one, step two, and I began to put the legs on and the front on and the drawers together. And then about halfway through, I, I knew what I was doing. And so I just set the manual aside and I just continued to build this workbench because I was familiar. And if you're familiar, you can just forget. And I got to the end and I realized I'd put the entire back panel on backwards. What do you think I did then? I went back to the plans. And I opened up the plans and I said, yep, step eight. Step eight, that's where, I, that's where I tried to do it on my own. Step eight. You see, what happens with familiarity is familiarity sometimes leads to us not referring to the plan. We become so familiar with it that we just forget about the blueprint and continue to build. If we try to cut corners, it will always take us longer, it will always be more painful to redo it. Now our life, we also have a blueprint The Bible is our blueprint. And we start out as followers of Jesus pretty excited about the blueprint. 
We're always in the blueprint. We don't want to take one step forward without, is that in the blueprint? And we study God's word and refer to it often and we we make sure that we're doing everything. Everything filters through this. Oh, I'm going to have a girlfriend. Let me just, is there anything on love? Is there anything on relationships here? Okay, make sure I do that. Finance. Yeah, I'm going to start a business. Is there anything in God's word about finance? And we use this as our blueprint. Now, the Bible, interestingly enough, is not a textbook. See, a textbook, you read it cover to cover, and you go, okay, I know it now. But what's interesting about this this book is that it's not as much a textbook as it is a blueprint. It's something that I lay down in my life, and I begin to turn the pages, and I build my life from it. And if I wander too far from it and I become too familiar with it or I think I've just got it, what happens is is we just kind of build the workbench backwards. We'll just sort of end up in a place where we haven't referred to it in a long time and our life will just slowly, slowly, slowly become just our own. Dreaming with God is having the blueprint open and referring to it often. Because familiarity can lead to failure. If we don't refer to the Bible often, we won't desire the things that God desires. If we don't refer to the Bible often, we won't receive the wisdom and the revelation that Paul is talking about. If we don't refer to the Bible often, we won't build our life according to his promises, according to his principles. And the Lord was reminding me that we need to dream with him. And so Paul talks about these three areas that we would envision with God to know his hope, his riches, and his power. His hope, his riches, and his power. I had a meeting with a wonderful young man this week and he came to me and he said, I just wanna know what God's will is for my life. Have you ever asked that question in your own life? I just wanna know what God's will is for my life. I asked this a thousand times in university. I just want to know, God, what your will is for my life. I just want to know what your plan is for my life. And I said to him, what are you passionate about? So he said, traveling. I said, so do that. But but I need to know. I need to know exactly what God's will is for my life. And I said, so go on a missions trip. I just, but I need to know, I need to know what is the purpose for my life. I need to know what the meaning is for my life. And I looked at him and I said, just pick something, anything. God's will is less about specific things that you need to download from heaven than it is about keep moving through open doors and bring Jesus with you. God's will is more about dreaming with God and saying, God put these passions in my heart. God put these desires in my heart. 
and we just begin living our life with Jesus. And what happens is, is you look back and you, and you go, wow, that was God's will for my life. Wow, God moved through these desires. He put these passions in my heart. He directed me through this open door. This person knew somebody who, who, who gave me a job. That person knew somebody who opened up this thing for me, this opportunity for me. And you kind of look back and you go, wow, that was God's will. But rarely is it this fully downloaded thing that you just, you're just sitting waiting for, right? So I was encouraging them, don't sit there and just wait for it. Just keep moving. Or as Dory says in... Finding Nemo, just keep swimming, just keep swimming. A dreaming with God is to know the hope that he's called us to something. Dreaming with God is to know the riches of his glorious inheritance and immeasurable greatness of his power. We've been dreaming for a long time as a church to renovate. And I remember just before Christmas, we were in our staff prayer meeting and I was praying about the renovation. And as I was praying about it, for some reason, as I'm praying about it, the Lord dropped into my mind the woman with the issue of blood. I'm praying about a renovation and God drops into my mind this woman with the issue of blood. And for 12 years, this woman was suffering. For 12 years, the Bible says she went to the doctors. She kind of tried everything. She was unclean, which meant she wouldn't be allowed to be near family or friends. She was a total outcast by Jewish rule. And so this woman with this issue of blood had finally strained to get to Jesus, as Rose so eloquently put. And she fought through the crowd. And she reaches out and she touches the hem of the garment of Jesus. And it says, power went out from him and she was healed. Now, a woman with an issue of blood and a renovation, unless the woman is doing the renovating, that typically shouldn't go together. No offense, women, if you're really good with tools. I didn't mean that. That could be taken the wrong way. This is online, I'm so sorry. But those two typically aren't related, right? So I asked the Lord why, and he said, well, Joel, the church has been waiting to renovate for 12 years. And this is the time. This is the time. We've been fighting over plans for 12 years, wanting to expand. There, there was plans I found that had a sanctuary in the basement. It was a youth sanctuary. There was a plans where we had a sanctuary up in the sky called the upper room. We had a coffee shop. We've had expanded sanctuary. We've had different office plans. And that can be a little discouraging. 
And I, I know for me, you know, being, being the one that sort of was heading it up for half that time, that can be a little frustrating where you, you make plans, you make plans, you make plans, and you don't, you don't do anything, you don't build, you don't go, you don't, you just dream. But the Lord said, now is the time. Now is the time for the, for the church to build. Now is the time for the church to renovate. It's been 12 years, but now's the time. And thank you, Jesus. We are building. We are building. Amen? Amen. You see, it's fun to dream. It's fun to envision what the future is going to look like. We envision our personal space. We envision what does God want to do with my life personally? And we sit with God in prayer and we sit with God in worship and it's important to envision our future with God. And maybe you're not the type of person to sit down and like vision cast for your life, but I think it's so important to do this, to invite God into this time where you just say, Lord, what is it that you want to do in my life this year? What is it that you wanna, what journey do you wanna take me on this year? Where is it that you want to go with me this year? And you invite him in to, to dream for your own personal life. And it's also important to envision your family space. Lord, what do you wanna do with my family? What do you wanna do in my marriage? What do you wanna do with my children? What do you wanna do in our family? What do you wanna do in other relationships? You might be sitting near your future best friend and you didn't even know it. God, what do you wanna do in our church life? And we invite him into these moments of envisioning and dreaming and we sit with him and we invite him in. Recently, we recorded a, a podcast on OnRamp on the state of the church. And if you haven't listened to it yet, um, I encourage you to go and listen. It's called OnRamp and we're five episodes into it and we meander through all kinds of topics and there's some good banter in there as well. But this last one was the state of the church. And I remember Greg Baker asked a really good question, which is what we jumped off of. And it, it was along the lines of why, why do we come to church? Why do we come to church? Why do we come to this community? Some might say it's for teaching, some might say it's for knowledge, some might say it's, it's kind of just that centering point in my life, some might say it's just what I've always done, some might say, well, it's, it's just good to do that sort of thing on a Sunday. But this question of why do I come to church is part of envisioning what I want in my spiritual life. And my hope is that we, as a church, would come for community. 
My prayer for us is that we would come for genuine community. That we would know each other deeply. We wouldn't just know a few people that are like us, but we would get to know each other. We would get to know those sitting next to us. And this part of envisioning what I want in my spiritual life, what I want in my church life, will be what we experience when we come. And I love to dream and I love to vision and I love to to vision cast for my future and I love to think about the future and again, it costs nothing to dream and it's fun to dream. But at some point, we have to wake up from our dreaming. We have to wake up from our dreaming and do something about our life. And the picture I had in my head is at some point, we need to wake up and grab a sledgehammer. Downstairs in the basement, when we found out that we were allowed to demolish the walls, a few of us staff members went downstairs and we decided to, you know, hit a few walls because we were in the demo process. And so it got a little out of hand. And at one point, I personally took a chair personally and put it through a wall about five feet off the ground sideways. So you kind of had this wall, this chair sticking out of the wall. We got really excited about this moment of demo. And later that day, I found out that wall wasn't actually coming down. (laughs) The construction manager sent me a picture and he said, I got this picture of this chair in the wall. And he said, that's really funny, dot, 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 but that wall isn't coming down. So I responded and said, would you in your grace just include that in the contract at no extra cost for the drywaller? See, envisioning a space is fun, it's exciting, it's hopeful, it's prophetic, but it isn't reality. Reality is when we start demo. Reality is when we take a sledgehammer and begin taking down walls. And if you've ever renovated in your own home, it's a lot of fun to demo. It's a lot of fun. But I thought, Lord, what is our sledgehammer at Northside? And the Lord reminded me of our vision statement, which I'm sure you all know by heart, but I'll just remind you in case you momentarily forgot it. But our vision statement is to be a loving community that reaches, restores, and releases every person to expand God's kingdom. But I couldn't get past the phrase loving community. 
I know we love some people, but I'm not sure that loving community would be the first phrase that I would use to describe us. And I felt the Lord say to me that the way to get from church to loving community is vulnerability. See, it's easy to have church It's really tough to have a loving community. A loving community is built around vulnerability. Vulnerability is I allow you to see me. I allow you in. I tell you about my life. You pray for my kids. We know what's really going on in each other's lives. Vulnerability is that I, I, get, to, I get to take off. I get to take off my my Sunday best. Don't worry, it won't go any further than that. <laughs> You're like, where is this going? It's online, it's online. Don't do it, don't do it. And, it, and I, I came to this point where I, I wanna ask like permission. Will you allow me to take off my Sunday best. Because, let's be real, let's be honest. Keeping this on looks good. I think this is like, I won't tell you what brand it is. This is nice. It's from Nordstrom. Yeah, I know. Looks nice. But it isn't reality. This isn't community. But this is, this is, a sledgehammer is often the first tool picked up at the moment when a dream becomes destiny. Right there in the middle of a dream 
becoming reality, a dream becoming experience, right there at that moment is a sledgehammer. The beautiful thing is that vulnerability isn't a violent sledgehammer. (laughs) Maybe you've met some of those people in your life. They're like, I want to show you everything about everything and everything. And you're like, whoa, like, whoa, I'm German. Like, it's going to take us a decade to pierce through that first inch of armor. Easy. And the Italians are like, what? Come on, we're just hanging out. I'm Paul. I'll tell you about my life. Uh, let me tell you everything that's going on. And I know there's awkwardness. I know there's cultural differences. I know, but... I think it's, a, it's an intentional first step of saying, I want to be part of a loving community. Because reach, restore, and release is secondary to knowing each other, caring about each other, loving each other. So, my heart is that we would become more vulnerable. Brene Brown says, vulnerability is the core, the heart, the center of meaningful human experiences. Vulnerability is consciously choosing to not hide our emotions or desires from people. And so I want to ask you again, can I trust you with my brokenness? Can I trust you with my brokenness? Because you can trust me with your brokenness. This week, I want to um, pray for you that as you go into this week, that the Lord would begin to show you how to take these first steps. And so we're actually going to do something really quick in a moment together. And it's going to be really simple. But I want to pray for you first. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you that you have created within us this desire to connect, Lord, with other people. And Lord, we want community and we don't really know how to always have it, but Lord, we want community. And so we pray that you would be with us this morning, that you would help us to 
see each other, pray for each other, Lord, and value each other around us. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.